0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 16th, 2022. Um, Headlines remain dominated by what's happening in Kiev. Uh, European leaders are now meeting there. Um, Joe Biden uh, uh, has been urged by uh, the Ukraine leader Zelensky to be a leader of the world. Uh, Zelensky, uh, according to the Post, puts Biden on the spot with his emotional speech, which was broadcast, of course, electronically to Congress. Uh, Meanwhile, all these East European leaders, uh, all men, of course, are in Kiev uh, looking at maps. I don't quite know what they're doing. They look a little confused. Um, The NATO secretary, General Jens Stoltenberg, has urged Vladimir Putin to stop the war immediately Vladimir Putin is busy looking at his computer, at least in terms of this image. He doesn't seem particularly eager to stop the war. Of course, the thing that unites all these images uh, of Biden, of Zelensky, of these European leaders, of Stoltenberg, of Putin, is that they're all men. And one wonders whether or not leadership and men are causing this terrible war. And certainly uh, there have been some interesting headlines about this. The last great female leader, Angela Merkel of Germany, is no longer on the scene. Some people are suggesting that um, Angela Merkel was a little too friendly with Vladimir Putin, although of course you can argue it the other way. There's certainly a big debate uh, in Germany at the moment in terms of Merkel's legacy did she hand too much power to putin was her leadership rather different from some of the other male leaders in the world i have an interesting uh woman on the show today all women of course are interesting but this woman in particular susan um uh, and i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher the name uh susan mcinty uh brady is the co-author of arrive mm-hmm. and thrive uh a new book out about female leadership, uh, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. To be fair to the book, it's out the first week of April. It has nothing to do with Putin, really not that much to do with politics. But given that Ukraine and Putin, perhaps Merkel, are on our minds, I thought I might begin uh, with Susan asking her whether in terms of Ukraine and this war and all these male leaders, whether there's anything in the fact that all these men, all these leaders seem to be male, or is that just coincidental, Susan?
1: Hmm. It's hard to know because we haven't had a, a, a period of time in our life, first of all, Andrew, thanks for having me, where we've had a group of women, uh, where we've been over-indexed on women in power running countries. Uh, hasn't happened yet. So it's hard to know. Uh, I would say I think uh, definitely a more gendered balanced approach to this, a more diverse approach to this, uh, different perspectives would aid us in arriving at a peaceful outcome quicker. Uh, and at, at this point, uh, I am speculating because as you know, you know over you know, there's less than a quarter of, of, of women comprise less than a quarter still of middle managers in corporate America. And the number shrinks even further at each at each rung of the corporate ladder. Women who rise all the way to the level of CEO like me or or others experience higher turnover than their male counterparts do. So I'd say we, we can't say I don't think we'd be in the position we're in, though, right now, if there were more women in leadership. That's Do you get
0: opinion. into politics at all in Arrive and Thrive, or are you mostly focused on corporate leadership, corp- uh, female corporate leadership?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we mostly focus on female corporate leadership, uh, at, you know, leading in the workplace and leading from oneself although it you know you can't talk about women in leadership and not talk about that the world wasn't made for us uh to be in power right you know if you wake up woman never mind waking up a woman of color you're in a you're in a world that wasn't made for you or by you right with with ways of being that are might not feel natural so so you know the 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 book is is my co-authors and my you know sort of handshake to the to other women and allies of all genders to say hey let's talk about the practices that those of us who have arrived and feel like we're thriving in our lives let's talk about those and how to galvanize other people men in particular in using them as well
0: uh, your co-authors are janet Futi, who's um the executive chair of the deloitte board and uh Lynn Perry Wooten, who is uh, the ninth president of Simmons University, um, three people to write a book. Can, could three men write a book, Susan, or did it take <laughs> women to combine, to collaborate, not to dominate? Yeah. Was, it,
1: was, it, was it easy to write another book with two other women? Uh, so, you know, usually there's a first author and I, um, had the pleasure of serving as first author, which basically means, you know, Janet's actively running Deloitte US and Lynn is running a university in a very complex time. Both of these women, I run an Institute for inclusive leadership, uh, and, um, and spent a lot of time writing. So they were, we worked together and then I sort of, you know, got to, got to work doing some of the writing. It was, it's a better book than if I had done it alone, like my last three. It's a better book because they have, I mean, we have 85 years of collective leadership experience and navigating a world, again, where we've mainly always been the minority uh, in a room. Um, we don't reflect the majority. Uh, so, so I think we brought to bear very different perspectives. That was the cool part, Andrew, right? So Lynn comes at this as an academic, um, and now she's an academic leadership at the highest levels. Janet comes at this with working with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of companies and navigating her own leadership trajectory at, at a place like Deloitte. And then, you know, my background is around consulting and advising and, and authoring and speaking. And so I've seen a lot of people in action leading groups, small teams, businesses, leadership is tricky business. And so it's, uh, it uh,
0: was, is, um, did you have any disagreements? I hope you did. I mean, disagreements yeah. can be healthy if Yes, confronted in a in a in a responsible, respectful way, I assume.
1: All right. So I love the question. I'm I'm debating between three agree three disagreements that, that came to mind. One was uh, we, we disagreed how to address physical appearance. Um, I thought we we have to talk about how one looks at work and how one dresses because it's a hot topic for women and it's a hot topic for, for men. Um, but I'd say that the, probably the most meaningful disagreement we had was I feel like these practices can and should be used by all leaders and uh, we really had to wrestle down why are these particularly for women and, um, and also what level of woman in her life. So this isn't necessarily a book for if you're early in your career and looking to advance. Uh, it is more of a book for if you've arrived at a particular station and you're looking around thinking oh my gosh like this is exhausting, and I wouldn't accuse myself of thriving right now, even though I've made it to a particular position. And so how do you thrive when you arrive?
0: Well, well, what does this word thrive mean? Uh, It it seems to be a rather fashionable word, Susan, these days. Do you have a definition? Uh,
1: You know, it's funny. How we wrote the whole book and we didn't define thrive is really quite something. The good news is, my answer is thriving is what you think it means to thrive. I'll give you a clue. Uh, I think thriving is when you are leading from your best self. We, we have more of a chance of thriving in our life. And how you lead from your best self, well, your strengths and talents are connected to and reinforced by where you're adding value to others, which is connected to and reinforced by what brings you joy and vitality, right? And Why so- not just use
0: the word happiness? Sometimes with these business books, there's a lot of words which could be Yes. Boiled down to simpler words that everybody understands. What's the difference between thriving and being happy?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a, it's not a constant state. It's a moment to moment state. You're not going to well, always. Thriving be. or being happy? Both. I think, I think, um, I think we return to happiness. I think we return to thriving. I think we can lead our lives more consciously in a state of happiness and you know, look, life happens. Humans are tricky. People disappoint us. We disappoint us. Uh, You know, there's humanitarian crises and world wars. And I mean, Andrew, life is complicated. So how do I get back to a place where I feel like the locust of control is in the palm of my hand so that I can at least feel like I've got some ability to control my own thriving? Last I checked, other people don't like to feel controlled. So that's a disappointment, generally speaking. My kids only did what I told them to do. But anyway, yeah, the the idea is that I can actually practice some practices that help me thrive, that help me feel joyful, that help me feel vital, valued, of value.
0: You mentioned your other books, Susan. Um, One of them that comes to mind, which was a big success, was Mastering Your Inner Critics and Seven Other... High Hurdles to Advancement, How the Best Women Leaders Practice Self-Awareness to Change What Really Matters. You're also the co-author of the Inclusive Leaders Playbook. How does this new book, Arrive and Thrive, um, connect uh, w- with your previous work? How, how, and how is it different?
1: Oh, it's such an awesome question. Thank you for it. Uh, the, let me start with the uh, the playbook for um, inclusive leaders. That that actually, we turned that little playbook into the seventh practice of Arrive and Thrive. So the seventh practice is uh, developing a culture of inclusion. You know, how do I lead inclusively? And so we brought in some content from Deloitte. We brought in some other sort of the best of. We did a we did sort of a distillation of what's out there. But the primary uh, aim in that chapter is to help women consciously cultivate cultures of inclusion, and lead inclusively. Uh, with my my other book, my first two books about the inner critic, uh, you know, I have a little uh, 30 second guide for coaching your inner critic, and then partnered with McGraw Hill to publish the Mastering Your Inner Critic book. I'd say uh, the that really comes through in the first practice of arrive and thrive about investing and returning to your best self. So when I'm at my best self, I am not harsh. I'm not operating from a place of disgust for myself or (laughs) others. I'm not, you know, I I, I am in a compassionate, respectful place. And so I can be really intentional. You're not
0: Vladimir Putin, I hope then. Yeah, no. is, is Is he the, the anti thriver? Could he be the model for the other end of the spectrum here? the yeah. angry hateful resentful man who doesn't listen to anything or anyone except what I, he thinks.
1: Yeah, so I would say um I would say he's a pretty good model of what we don't want leaders to be, right? Uh not listening to the people around us, uh obviously not caring about the dignity and respect of of, of human beings at the human being level. Um you know, there, there's uh it's it's not it's it's not a uh A a good way, I would say, an effective way to lead, and I think that's what we're seeing in the world. Uh, The you know the the retaliation of this way of leading. It's it's still playing out before our eyes. Um, Do you think he's doing anything at his desk right there, though? That's what I the Uh, the picture.
0: Well, he's looking. uh, Well, Stolzenberg wants him to do something. It's a terrible photo for people watching. We have a picture of. Vladimir Putin, it looks like his computer doesn't work and he's staring at a, a blank screen or a screen of the, the, the Kremlin on his very old fashioned computer. Who knows what he's doing? Maybe he's watching this now. If he is watching Putin, one of the things that might help you get out of this ridiculous situation you found yourself in with your back against the wall is to read um uh susan's new book uh arrive and thrive seven impactful practices for women navigating leadership i'm going to talk about each of those seven after the break uh susan but i i, I do want to um you mentioned your allies um male allies as well as obviously female allies i had Stephen mr covey on the show last week has a really interesting new book trust and inspire how truly great leaders unleash greatness in others a lot of the stuff in Kobe's book is similar to yours. Um, Why is this book for women and not for men as well?
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a distillation of the practices that when women in positions of power turn to come back to use the practices, we feel like we're making a better, you know, we're adding more value and we're creating uh, a world that looks like healthy leadership. It's hard to lead well, period. It's really hard to lead well when you're the only one, you know? Uh, And so things like, well, we can talk, well, you want to talk after the break. I want to talk after
0: the break about each each of the ones, but coming back on this COVID one, um, could one argue that perhaps what's happening is that principles of female leadership are becoming so much the heart of today's business and cultural zeitgeist that uh female ideals are becoming universal is there some truth to that or is that too much to hope for too optimistic
1: i'd like to think that you know um I think the more that we have honest conversations about how how women can get the resources, advice and support they need to thrive as leaders, we're going to see more and more of, you know, a little bit more maybe balance between feminine and masculine at work.
0: Well, I hope we're having that honest conversation now. I'm talking to Susan McKenty Brady, the author of or co-author of Arrive and Thrive, the main author, the first amongst equals. Um, interesting new book for female uh, leaders, uh, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. I'm going to take a short break now. And then after the break, I want to talk about each of those uh, seven uh, forms of uh, navigating female leadership. So we'll be back in about 30 seconds with Susan McKenty Brady, the co-author of Arrive and Thrive. Don't leave us, anyone. Hi, everyone. Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keen On show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it, but I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keen On show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify, or CastBox, or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub Hub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but Lit Hub is. And on their Lit Hub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live. You can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now back to Keynote. We're back with Susan McKenty Brady, the co-author of Arrive and Thrive, um, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. So, um, Susan, let's move on to those seven. Why why seven? Is that a magic number, by the way? I seem to remember um, you've got (laughs) seven other hurdles in mastering your own is that your is that your lucky
1: number, Susan? Seven? Yeah, so I, I I deserve the question. No, total fluke, honest to, honest, honestly. Um uh, Janet and Lynn and I got together we you know kind of distilled our our best three wisdom. of you not
0: seven of you right
1: no just three of us got together we distilled our wisdom and then we went out there to poke around and it just unearthed seven practices and I did think gosh I had seven hurdles seven practices uh it's all good it's it's all good and Janet you know i mean look they are, we influenced heavily different practices so why i maybe played first author uh Lynn and Janet you know Lynn and Janet are speaking uh more about certain practices than i am so was book by design, so in the sense of, you know, sometimes you look at
0: an American car, for example, and it seems as if it has seven designers, sometimes even has seven doors, Um, or or do all the practices fit together? Is there an organic whole to your argument?
1: Uh, Oh, God. I love the question. So so look, if, if, if you ask me, and I'm pretty sure Lynn and Janet would agree, uh, there's only one practice that if you don't practice it, the other six don't work as well. And okay, that- well, let's
0: have that one. And, and, and I was going to suggest you're a parent like me. Um, yeah. We all love our kids as much as the others. So I assume that one of them is, is not better than the others. But you're saying there's one kind of meta
1: practice. What is that? I, yeah, the meta practice is investing in your best self. This is the call, is know who you are at your best and how to lead your life from that place as often as you can. You'll be happier. The people around you will be happier. Then we get into things like embracing authenticity. So Okay, well, let's let's
0: just briefly, before we get to the A word, authenticity, uh, embracing your best self. Uh, I've never met you before, Susan, but you seem a fairly self-confident person who has clearly successfully embraced their best self. This is a huge struggle for many women, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Andrew. It's a moment-to-moment practice. There's no arrival, because life is hard. Because you know, we, we we're trying hard, and we're disappointed in sometimes ourselves and others. And you know, external things happen that we don't ask for. So we're we're constantly adjusting, right? So we do need other tools, other practices. Uh, and gosh, if we don't know who we are at our best and love her and velcro to her we don't know who we're going back to once we're kicked out of that best place self so that's why i I think think
0: i mean we brought up putin he clearly loves his best self although it's not very best um is there something particularly i have a daughter so i know something about this i guess is there something particularly female about in a contemporary sense about struggling to love one's best
1: self I I actually don't think there is. I think I think women have more tolerance. My joke about the inner critic used to be, you know, men have an inner critic too, but women want to talk about theirs. Okay. So look, I think best self is a frame that men have and will continue to be drawn to, which is my, my, you know, the, 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 the me that I feel best being in the world. There's usually a context. There's usually a set of barriers that get in the way of that and enablers that, Create, help to foster it. And I think all humans would rather be coming from that place than any other place that they can come from. Who wants to be stressed or worried or mad or annoyed or feeling ashamed? Like all of these other ways um when you're not at your best self. Uh, but you get to define what your best self is for you. I, I'm not going to tell anybody else what that is for them. I, I, I know what it is for me. And I know that Uh, My kids like me better, the people around me, I'm a better leader uh, and I'm happier. People in my life seem to get, I get along with the world better when I'm operating from my best self.
0: Your uh, Deloitte, which is a sort of sponsor of this book in some ways, is very much behind what is known as the She Believes movement. Is that a movement to nurture and develop the best self in women?
1: yeah I mean I my, the chair that I the, I have a, I sit in an endowed chair. I'm very honored here at Simmons University in Boston uh the Deloitte Ellen Gabriel chair for women in leadership right. that chair is was created on behalf of a woman who lost her battle to breast cancer named Ellen Gabriel who championed Deloitte's first women's right. initiative you know yeah, so actually,
0: yeah and and there are even a a fellowship and fellows in her name you you dedicate the book to Ellen Gabriel
1: yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I have to say, you know, look, if, if, if the elevator arrives at the top, it's incumbent upon you to send it back down and bring up more people who uh, haven't been able to get there before. And I feel that way about the gift of this book. Right. So um, I'm hoping that Arrive and Thrive will be passed out as a gift to other women, by women and by men and all genders to say, hey, there's something here that's really positive that will help you have a better life. So we have the meta investing your best self. There are seven other
0: um, seven other uh, practices you call uh, to, um, to for for navigating leadership. Uh, the second is embracing authenticity. I have to admit um, I have to admit Susan, I'm not a big fan of this word. What does it mean? It seems to be used all the time and no one really defines what it means.
1: You know what? Let's just call it what it is. It's being you. You know, it's encouraging honesty from yourself about who you really are and helping others do that, too. So we're not covering or keeping parts of ourselves from showing up. That's really taxing to have to go to work and be someone I'm not. Or you know, to have to leave a part of myself behind because I don't feel comfortable being. And is it
0: because it? we 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 think somebody else is assuming something about us, or so we're trying to be
1: what they think or want us to be? Is that the yeah. problem? Yeah, I mean, if you walk into a room which is has a dominant uh, likeness, you're going to feel the pressure to conform to the dominant likeness, right? And well, we got. Oh, thing- really. Sorry, go. On what we're saying is you you know you can be you more than uh more than you think you can be you right that you know when it comes to dress this is very yeah. i was going to ask the the dress thing does that mean showing up in jeans or shorts okay so here's my here's my simple uh coaching to leaders who don't understand how to how to help other people understand this and that is you know you wouldn't wear a tennis outfit to the beach you don't wear a swimming outfit to the disco and you don't wear your nighttime clothes when you go out to dance to work. It's not that complicated, right but there is a lot of varied variety to express my personal preference of how I show up at work and therein lies some of the choice points we have about I mean, how That's to-
0: harder for women your the intro is uh, to your book is by Indra Nui who is uh, one of the, the most powerful uh, female CEOs in the world she's CEO of Pep- PepsiCo. I don't know how Indra Nui dresses, but I'm guessing she doesn't have a Steve Jobs or a Mark Zuckerberg style wardrobe where she always shows up in the same T-shirt and jeans. So there are double standards when they when it comes to women, aren't there?
1: I think I think there are. I I do. And uh, I would say, you know, just be intentional. That's my, that's my only point. Be intentional and be you in authentically dressing. But she actually talks about that in the foreword of the book uh, about, you know, look, yeah, yeah, you have to show up in a way that is credible however you believe that to be true. But it, the the jig is rigged, Andrew, okay? Like on Casual Friday for men, it's like the khaki-colored khakis or the white-colored khakis, you know? Women are like, oh my God, Casual Friday, okay. How many different options of skirts, pants, dresses? Is it a sweater or coat? Is it a blazer? Is a blazer and jeans okay, right? That just, yeah, it's just, it's tricky. <laughs> what about the Elizabeth
0: Holmes model? Uh, Or perhaps anti-model in Silicon Valley, Elizabeth Holmes for better or worse, uh, tried to dress and behave like Steve Jobs. She ultimately, I think, I don't know if she failed on the dress front, but she certainly failed on the business front. Um, Should women try to emulate powerful, famous men like Jobs as as Holmes tried to do?
1: I would say decidedly uh, not. uh, Be you. My version of how I want to show up thriving in a leadership position needs to be authentic to me. I I can't feel like I'm trying to do something like someone else. People will sniff you out. And it's really hard to maintain connection and empathy and respect for and and from the people who you need to come with you on what journey you're with if you're not being you, you know? Um, And I'll leave it there. (laughs)
0: i like that idea of being sniffed out if you're not you uh let's briefly uh uh susan go over the 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 other seven uh i'd like to go actually to the end to healthy team environment and committed to the work of an inclusive leader again i don't want to Fall into the trap of gendered stereotypes, but it does seem as if women are usually better at that, aren't they? I don't know why. Maybe it's because they haven't been programmed as much as men. But do you yeah. get the sense that there is something biological about the ability of women to, particularly on the on the on this sixth front, to create a healthy team environment?
1: Yeah. So I think the underpinning of some of this is around creating psychological safety, uh, which is, you know you get to speak up and raise, you know, and make mistakes. And I'm not going to make you feel horribly about that. I, I have to say, I haven't seen much research that women do uh, navigate emotionally or with their feelings any better than than men do. Uh, I think there's uh, there's a need for all leaders of all genders to learn how to be uh, more empathic in the moment. I've met a lot of pretty, you know, direct women leaders who don't take into account caring for people. And I've met a whole lot of men who don't either. Right. So I think the jury is still out again, going back to where we started. You know, we don't, the 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 jig is rigged. We don't have, we don't have enough parity yet to compare, right? There's just not enough women writ large. We're 50% of the world's population, right? And you look at our leadership. And where we show it, we're still talking about Angela Merkel. We're still talking about, right? Yeah, we're talking about
0: it because she's no longer there. I know,
1: I know. But, you know, there's just not that many. And so to say, like, do women do this better? I don't know. There's Talk to me. Let's let's talk again. Let's have a date when we have 50% of women in the majority of Fortune 500 companies um, at the most executive senior levels. And then we'll see. We, we'll find, we'll know. I think we are... Confronted with a with a, a pandemic-infused reality of dealing with human beings, all leaders are dealing with human beings while dealing with human resources, and that duality got really, really, really clear. It's happening also right now, of course, with the humanitarian crises around the world. But we're seeing it all, and there's a there's a tug for leaders to see the human beings, not just the human resources. And if you don't know how to navigate that, you're eventually going to lose your followers. You're eventually going to lose out
0: on the people. Right. Uh, we're talking with Susan um, McKenty Brady, the author of Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices. I'm not going to give away all the seven, Susan, because then people won't read the book. But you did mention the E word, empathy. That's a word that comes up with authenticity all the time, even more. I think it's a better word. Do you think it's the key word for the early 21st century, particularly since we can't teach machines to be empathetic. Uh, it seems to be the heart of our humanity or humanism in a, in a network to digital age. Do we all need to work on our
1: empathy, men and women alike? We all need to work on our empathy. Empathy is also a moment to moment practice emotional intelligence, you don't arrive someday and be like, oh my God, I have emotional intelligence now. No, actually it's moment to moment and leadership is a relationship. It's a social relationship. And so it all comes down to, am I aware of my feelings and my reactions to my feelings? And am I aware of your feelings and your reaction to your feelings? And how do we do that back and forth? That's a complicated, very subjective perception oriented process. And so Gosh, we have to be more in tune to how to discover uh, empathy and how to, how, you know. So it goes. It's a it's a one two punch with curiosity. I'd say learning the the art of uh, understanding how to show up empathically and how to be empathetic, and learning the art of asking great questions and thinking in questions and being curious. I think that's a big part of the recipe of leading in the future.
0: Yeah, we had uh, my old friend Sherry Turkle, great authority on technology on the show recently uh, she's been on many times actually but her new her newest book uh, is an autobiography the uh, the empathy diaries so uh sherry is 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 a, is a master on 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 this stuff um we also had um uh we, we've done a number of shows about raising children particularly teenage girls i had ronnie cohen sandler on the show mm. a few weeks ago about raising self-reliant teenage girls girls. Um, you have children, uh, Susan, I have a daughter as well, and a, and a son. Um, this book is is for female leaders, but female leaders don't just happen, they need to be brought up, they need to be nurtured. Any advice in, in terms of getting teenage girls from their teenage years to becoming, teenage, to becoming corporate or political
1: or cultural leaders 20-30 years later? Uh yeah I mean it's never too soon to say you so there's 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 worthiness and then there's confidence worthiness is a belief and the belief that you have worth and value and that you are enough okay over and over and over again i i uh the girls need to hear that because we're told in a lot of ways when we go out the well, when we turn on our TVs or our phones or anything else that we're not enough. Uh, so that is number one. And number two is uh you can build your confidence, you know. Uh courage, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the presence of vulnerability. And so, you know, standing by our our young girls and women to say, You got this, you got this. Um, and I'm here for you uh to hold your hand during, you know, when it when it gets t- tricky. So one of the red Threads of arrive and thrive is do not do not go it alone. We're not meant to go this journey of life alone. Turn to people. I have a, I have a ton of male mentors and allies and advocates for my work, mainly because a lot of them have done things that women haven't who I've turned to. And now I'm trying to unearth a bunch of women who can also teach other women and other men. So it's about doing it, you know partnering to do it together. But, but the worthiness piece is a really important piece because uh, when we don't feel good enough about who we are in the world, we can take that out on ourselves and we can take it out on others and do all sorts of funky things that aren't in our best interest. And so I'd say it starts there. Susan, um, we had
0: the uh, wonderful English writer Antonia Fraser on the show. There's a new book out about a 19th century feminist heroine, Caroline Norton, who fought for the rights of women in the 19th century, achieved a great deal. Do you have a a female heroine, a political, corporate, cultural figure who, in a sense, uh, you're, you're trying to emulate or someone who is your model, maybe a personal one, your mother, a colleague?
1: yeah. Uh, You know, there's two people that come to mind very different. One, I'd say I I go to the church of Carla Harris. Carla Harris is vice chairman of Morgan Stanley. She is, she's written a couple books. Uh, She's, she's the one that put in my head for the first time, 10-ish years ago, that, you know, you're, you're, you being you is, is your competitive advantage, right? And so just a vibrant, uh inspiring woman um i'm a fan of brene brown it's you know her atlas of the heart is like a coffee table book on how to navigate emotions brilliant uh so i think we could all learn to do that better and in a world that needs more empathy she's a teacher for sure of mine finally uh susan um the books,
0: uh, I think the book's out in the first week of uh, of April, but yeah. you should order it now on Amazon, wherever you can order books, Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. Any other book suggestions for mid-March um, yeah. that people should read to make themselves wiser, happier, so that they can, to borrow
1: a word from you, thrive? Okay, so I will confess, if you've already read it, read it again, but I'm a big fan of Adam Grant's Think Again power of knowing what you don't know the future belongs to the learners not the knowers and if you don't know how to learn uh especially as you get older and wiser and more knowing um now's the time to learn how to learn Uh, i love adam's work so think again and you could read again i'm listening to adam's book for the third time yeah adam on the show at some point actually yeah yeah but i've met
0: him a couple of times it'd be a good idea to have him on the show
1: Uh, And then, you know, I would say Atlas of the Heart, you know, Brene Brown's work mapping meaningful connection and the language of human experience. We need language to connect. We need language when we learn how to be practicing empathy. Um, We need language to articulate even what it means for us to thrive like we have today. We need language and, and these language it's, it's, it's my, you know, the duality of Adam and Brene for me is what we think and feel drives what we say and do. So we have to get really smart about what we think and feel. And I think right now these two books do a great job showing us how, Um, we did just launch yesterday, Andrew, arriveandthrive.com. So you can order the book there.
0: Well, good. Well, you're providing us with that language as well. Um, Susan, um, Congratulations on the book and congratulations on, on all the great work you're doing on this, this new language of leadership, rethinking the world. You're playing an important role uh, and you're well positioned to answer our final keen on question, which I'm asking all my guests these days. Uh, Susan McKenty Brady, the co-author of Arrive and Thrive. Uh, Susan, who runs the world? Who's in charge these days? <laughs>
1: Oh, gosh. I don't know. It's a it's a toss up between Melinda French, Gates and uh, Ted Lasso, I think, you know. Um, <laughs> yep.
0: Who would you prefer? Gates or Lasso? Uh,
1: you know, I'd work for I'd work with and for both of them. It'd be it'd be hard to choose between the two.